everybody he's drew i'm ted she's ruby in the background somewhere this is vikings report drew and ted drewster we're not doing our normal opening this week but did you ever play video games when you were a kid i did play video games a lot did you ever play like the super punch out or the mike tyson punch out game <laughs> that was probably the best one it was a great game <laughs> and it was like punch out then it was like mike tyson's super punch out and then they had a whole bunch of variations but like in the very original one there was this character named Glass Joe. If you had never played the game before, even the brand new player could beat Glass Joe. Like two punches in, Glass Joe got knocked out. <laughs> now, now coming into the season, I kind of thought the Vikings would be like bald bull, the, the really beefy bald guy that was hard to beat. And then great tiger that had the turban thing on his head, hard to beat. Glass Joe was easy to beat. I kind of thought the Vikings would be in bald bull territory, at least, if nothing else. Maybe not the Mike Tyson guy. It was almost impossible to beat. But they're, they're glass jaw this year. Total glass jaw. One in four. I did not see this happening at the beginning. Welcome, everybody, to episode 109. we got a big preview coming up for the game at Soldier Field. But you look at this game before the season, we thought, ah, we're going to roll in there and win. Now it's like totally up in the air. It's a three-point spread in Vegas. I think it's a, this game's a toss-up, and we'll talk about it later. Ruby, you out there somewhere? Did you ever play video games growing up? Hello. Yes. Hi. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out was my favorite game. Was it really? Yes, it was. Could you beat Mike Tyson? Oh, yeah, yeah. My brothers taught me how to beat him, so, yeah. Oh, okay. I love that game. Ruby yeah. had four older brothers, or has four older brothers, so she didn't get much game time on there, probably. But You know, now you can go on, like, the Internet and find cheat codes to win games. Like, do you remember back in the day, like, with Super Mario Brothers 3, you had to buy a big freaking book with all the different maps, and you had... <laughs> You remember all that? Yeah, like buy books for cheat codes from Super Mike Tyson. All that stuff is terrible. Maybe O'Connell should get those books. Yeah, maybe he should. He needs something. Their offense is about as good as Glass Joe right now. Uh, it's You know what? It seems like Kevin O'Connell has planted himself with, I'm going to run up the middle. I'm going to throw short. That's my offense. Yeah. I think, I think that's what he's going to do. I mean, well, we'll get into that here in a little bit. We want to talk to you about a couple of places that are near and dear to our heart. One is Purple Pain Forms. The other one is our website, vikingsreport.com, where you can check out our prize vault. Ruby, you've got a pre-canned video. Hit it, Ruby! Wow! There are two places you should probably want to go to to get all your Vikings news and information. One of them is this show right here. The other one is Purple Pain Forms. That's purplepainforms.com. It is the best Vikings message board website conversation room on this here World Wide Web. They have a lot of contests. They have a lot of great information. They have a bunch of great contributors that give site-only articles and information that you won't see anywhere else. So go to Purple Pain Forms, a great site, well-moderated. Check it out. The other website I'd like to talk to you about real quick is vikingsreport.com. That is our little humble corner of the internet. And we got over 100 gifts in our store, I think. We've got contests coming up. So go check out vikingsreport.com. <laughs> go check it out. 
All right. Propane Forums and VR.com. We also got Nobody Cares About Your Fantasy Team coming up, and we've got a new contest coming out, Defend the North, and we'll talk about that when we get to it here. But before we get going, and we got a lot we got to talk about, a lot of bad stuff has happened besides the Vikings loss. Drewster, what, what time is it? Ted, I'm cooler than you are, so why don't you fix your little problem, go into Soldier Field, and light this candle? He's right. Throw a right hook, knock out glass, throw and light this candle. Help! Resume the countdown! Alright, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. (laughs) You know, if Mike Tyson were to talk to you on a phone, you'd think to yourself, I could kick that dude's ass, and then you meet him in person, he'd break you in two. I want your heart. I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. I wanted to add this about the Vikings this year. Real quick before we start. Doesn't it feel like to you we've been watching one big game? Mm-hmm. It seems like all 20 quarters are, have been one game. It's the same thing. Yep. Besides that fourth quarter in Carolina, the other 19 quarters have been the same freaking game. It's unbelievable how consistently mediocre they have been. Right. Offense is bad. Turn the ball over in the red zone. The last week, they didn't even wait to get to the red zone. They turned over on the first freaking play. <laughs> I mean, like O'Connell, O'Connell probably one of the media said, boys, we got to change it up this week. And everybody like, yeah, you're right. We won't wait to get to the end zone. We'll just turn it over on the first play. Get it out of our system. You can't do that in the first play. No. I mean, come on, dude. All right. So on the heels of the loss to Kansas City on Sunday, <gasps> the Vikings, well, Justin Jefferson was hurt late in the game. They said it was a hamstring injury. Turns out it's serious enough to put him on the injured reserve. He's out a minimum of four weeks. You and I have talked about hamstring injuries before. Those things are notoriously tough to gauge on when a guy is completely healthy. Do you expect it will only be four weeks? I know he wants to come back and play, and I'm hearing a lot of chatter about, well, if we lose all the games and we're 1-8, and eight, why are you going to bring him back? Jefferson wants to play. He's not going to sit on the sideline. Right. If you bench him for that reason, you don't want to get him hurt, he's not coming back here. There's a lot depending on it, but I think it's mostly just how fast he heals and wants to get back and play. I think he's going to make the call, I would guess, unless there's something noticeably wrong with him and they're trying to save him from himself type of thing. But I don't know. What if we do lose all those games? What would you say? Well, here's the thing. So the next four games, we're going to talk about the Bears game here in a little bit. Then they're home against the 49ers. And honestly, I don't see the Vikings beating the 49ers, even if they had Justin Jefferson and maybe even the Purple People Leaders defense in their prime. That team, that team... That guy, Jaws, that cat, that's a good football team. I mean, they look dominant right now. Look what they did to Dallas, and Dallas is considered a fairly good team in the NFC. So the Vikings have three more games before the trade deadline, and the fourth game that Jefferson will be out. So it'll be at the Bears, the home against 49ers, at Green Bay, home against Atlanta. How do you see those next four games going without JJ? Two and two, one and three, three and one. What what do you got? I got two and two, to be honest. Okay. But you know what? They're gonna they'll win the Niner game when we least expect it. <laughs> That's how weird football is. But every game is a playoff game for the Vikings at this point. I, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. They gotta find a way to win three or four. I mean, they're probably gonna lose the San Francisco game. They gotta win the other three. Well, if they win three or four, they'll be what four and five, right? If they go two and two, they'll be three and six. Their next three games: Bears, 49ers, and Green Bay. If they lose two of those three games. And then you got the trade deadline coming up. They'll have to make their trades before that Atlanta game. 
I, I mean, at that point, they'd be, what, two and six. I'd almost be willing to say, look, sell off whatever assets you can for whatever price you can get. Well, maybe Daniil Hunter, maybe Harrison Smith. You'd have to look at the guys that have been playing well that you might be able to get a decent round draft pick for. Those are the first two names that come to the top of my head or come off the top of my head. And I hate this, well, the Vikings just need to tank. Tanking has never proven to get you a player that instantly transforms your football team. It, it just doesn't. I mean, it just doesn't. I don't even listen to that garbage. I can't sit here and actively root for my team to lose. I can't. I just, I, I won't. But I can understand if they, you know, don't win a lot of football games, they'll be higher up in the draft order, which gives them a better chance to get maybe a quarterback of the future or whatever. It's just such a frustrating, disappointing season up to this point. Yes, and now that J.J.'s gone, we're really going to be tested. Because yes. the one thing the Vikings are doing well, if you look at the stats and the categories, their passing offense is the best part of the team, which, of course, is why we run it, Ted. Yeah, got established the run. I mean, the Bears are what? 28th in passing defense. They're 31st. In pass defense? In pass defense, 31st. So, of course, we'll be running it. I yeah. don't know why we just don't go into the game plan with your strengths, but been a really bizarre season, but we're really going to see what we're made of this next four-game stretch. Absolutely. So it looks like with Jefferson out, your top wide receiver now is going to be K.J. Osborne, which would put Addison as wide receiver number two. Brandon Powell, who I thought had a few flashes on Sunday after Jefferson went out, had a couple of nice catches. I would think he becomes WR3. And in a couple of moves that went on with Justin Jefferson going on injured reserve, Nick Mullins went on injured reserve as well. I didn't even know he was hurt. Uh, how do you hurt yourself as a quarterback? <laughs> they sprained his shoulder, reaching for the clipboard. I don't know. Anyways, Nick Mullins is out at least four weeks. And our old friend Sean Mannion was re-signed. Why do you have to talk like that? Well, I'm talking to you the way I want to talk to you. Do you have a problem? Turn off your station. And they also brought Nikhil Harry and Tristan Jackson, both wide receivers, up to the active roster. That almost locks up the NFC Norris right there. I'm not encouraged for the remainder of the season, especially with Justin Jefferson out, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, There's a flip side of this, that with Jefferson out, it's going to force Kirk to distribute the mall more. I think he already does distribute it pretty evenly, and it's going to force other players to step up and fill Justin Jefferson's uh, absence. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Anyways, Vikings got a big challenge ahead of them with the, for the next month, and even this week we'll talk about that in a minute. Robert W. Farnsworth is on the line somewhere. Hello, everybody. Robert W. Fosworth here. This week, our downtrodden, dejected heroes in purple take the Chicago Express to the Windy City, the city by the lake, to face Justin Fields, Matt Eberflus, and the dastardly Chicago Bears. Can the Vikings figure out a way to win, or will they fall farther into the abyss? We'll find out. All right. Thanks, Robert. Yeah, like he said, the one and four Vikings travel one and four Bears. The resistible force meets the movable object. Yeah. It's where I expected the Bears to be after five games. It's not where I expected the Vikings to be, but be that as it may, this game worries me, dude. A lot more than it did a month and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the way the Bears played the Commanders that Thursday night. Yeah. The first three games, the Bears look absolutely lifeless. They look completely done. These last two games, Justin Fields has found something, and, and the Bears 
offense has come to life with DJ Moore. So what we'll do, as we always do, is we'll put up our big board and we'll get right to it. And like Drew says every week, we pick the categories based on how we think things are going to go that week. Not necessarily who the overall better player or unit is or whatever. And this week with quarterback, I think I might surprise you, buddy. We've got Kirk Cousins, who is having a historic year. And then we've got Justin Fields, who has been pretty bad up until the last two weeks. But it's the last two weeks that concern me. He finally figured out DJ Moore is a good wide receiver. DJ Moore has piled up the yards. I think he had over 200 yards receiving last week against Washington. Kirk's struggling a bit. I mean, he's got numbers, yes, he, and he's got, what, 13 touchdowns and only four interceptions. It feels like he's struggling to get those numbers sometimes. Does that make any sense to you? No, it makes perfect sense. And a lot of you guys are going to go, oh, Ted, you're, you're just an Ohio State homer. If you go find my X feed or Twitter feed, you'll find I make more jokes about Justin Fields being on the Bears than just about anybody on that platform. Yes, I was a big fan of his at Ohio State. And yeah, I was super pissed when the Bears traded in front of him on our live draft show. You want to go back and watch that? That's some high comedy for about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes no sense, you know, just looking at it in a vacuum. But I think Justin Fields is going to have a better game than Kirk Cousins this week. I don't want to, but I'm going to pick him. Well, it's about to get justified. Your words are about to get justified because I, too, have Justin Fields down. Do you really? As the quarterback of this game. Yes, I do. I mean, two completely different styled quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins has won his last two trips into Soldier Field, Mm -hmm. including what last year, 17 of 20 for 225. The year previous, he had a rough game, but they managed to win it 17 to 9. But with the way Fields has been playing, when I saw him that Commanders game, if he plays like that, they're going to probably win the game. I mean, he played really tremendously, putting a lot of pressure on the defense. His mobility alone gives him the edge in this game. It was very close. I went back and forth on it, kept crunching numbers. I had to give it to Fields. And I'm not an Ohio State homer. We all know that. <laughs> you should be, but whatever. Jeez. All right, so I'll let you go off with uh, the running game. What do you think? First off, we're going to be facing our old friend, Kari Blassingame. He's over oh. there in Chicago now. He big difference maker there. But There's another dude the Vikings should have cut, and C.J. Hammond kept Blassingame like two years ago. <laughs> Whatever. The uh, Bears rush for about 50 yards more than the Vikings do on average. But if you take fields, he rushes for 40 yards himself average. So if you take his yards out of it, both running games are pretty much identical. I mean, it looks better on paper for the Bears because they have the running quarterback. And if we can hold Fields to 40 yards, that's probably a win, right? I mean, probably. The Vikings running game, there's more you can get out of that game if you give some time to these other backs. I mean, two weeks ago, they had 135 against the Chargers, and then they had 130 against the Panthers on the ground. And then last week, they went back to their normal. This all comes down to Herbert. The Bears want to establish that run with every game they play because that opens everything up for Justin Fields. And Herbert's a really good running back. But he got that. You talk about the hamstring being the injury that supplants you for a while. How about the high ankle sprain? He got that last week. He is doubtful right now. And he is the starting running back for the Bears. He's a very good running back running for five yards a clip. He has a very high average. The backup for Sean Johnson is decent, but I don't trust him. So if Herbert doesn't play, that gives the Vikings the running game. I'm going to kind of flip. It seems like the Bears would have the advantage. I really like how the Vikings have been running the ball 
better these last two or three games. You know, they started off terribly. The reason they're so down below the bottom of the NFL standings at, what, 29th at 80 yards a game is because of those first two games, I think they had maybe 60 yards total. So they've really stepped up their running game effectiveness. I don't like how they situationally run the ball. I mean, I, th- I think when they need to pass, they run. When they run, when they pass, they should be running the ball. And I would like to see more Cam Akers. I think Alexander Madison is just kind of who he is. He's just a guy who will run 100 miles an hour into where the hole's supposed to be. And if it's there, he'll get to the second level. If not, he's going to give the guard or the center a, a back bruise. That said, I, I like how the Vikings have been running the ball. I'm going to give them a slight edge this week, even with really? Justin Fields as the, as the weapon, that dual threat weapon that he has, yeah. Ted, it's sitting right in front of the Vikings. They could get the big edge, the big check every week if they'd run wide. I do not know. Yeah, yeah I don't either. What is the reason they don't run wide? Everything is up the middle. Everything. I don't get it either, brother. If Herbert doesn't play for the Bears, I'd flop my check mark back over to the Vikings because I think they have a little bit better run blocking offensive line than the Bears do. I think they okay. do. Yeah, and I, I better do pass blocking. Yeah, I, I do too. Receiving game. This is usually a pretty easy category for us to call because of Justin Jefferson. He's out. You've got DJ Moore over on the Bears side, who is now the best receiver on the field, which pains me to say. KJ Osborne has been really inconsistent. I mean, he's dropped a lot of balls. TJ Hawkinson has dropped a fair amount of, of balls. We already talked about how excited we are to see Jordan Addison. Brandon Powell is not Justin Jefferson by any stretch of the imagination. The Bears also have an have Equimenius St. Brown. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> Cole Komet's a, a very good, reliable target for Justin Fields. If they can't kind of corral DJ Moore to an extent, uh, the Vikings are going to have a hard time winning. I'm giving the Bears the, the check mark here. Even with Justin Jefferson out, if you look, the Bears are all about Komet and DJ Moore. They really don't have anybody else that's going to step up and do anything. Matter of fact, the numbers so far this season – DJ Moore has 27 catches, 531 yards, and five touchdowns. JJ has 36 catches, 571 yards, and three touchdowns. And the big place that DJ Moore hurts you is the yards after catch. 229 on the season, which is a lot. I mean, JJ has 182 in that same department. That being said, with DJ Moore being the best receiver on the field, I have to give my check mark to the Vikings, Ted. You know why? Look at the receiving core. Look at how many more weapons Cousins has to go to than the Bears have. The Bears got one tight end and one wide receiver. Mooney has eight catches on the year. Yeah, I know. So Vikings have Osborne and Addison and Hawkinson and even Muntcake and their backs with Cam Akers. I'm giving them the check mark because the Bears just have DJ Moore and Komet. Okay, that's fair. So I'm going to give uh, Vikings the big four. Get this. I got a tasty, tasty tidbit. The Vikings' big four, which is now big three, they have more catches than the Bears' team. Wow. They have 98. The Bears have 94 as a team. You want to hear a tasty tidbit. Justin Jefferson, by himself, has more career receiving yards than any receiver who has ever played for the Chicago Bears. In, like, what, three, four seasons? Three and and some change. He has more career receiving yards than any Chicago Bear ever. Three yards and a cloud of dust back with George Hallis. But but he'll get 0.0 yards this week. Yes, he will, but somebody will make up for his time. All right, so offensive line. Who do you got, Drew? Offensive line, I got the Vikings. This is the first game the Vikings will be set on offensive line with all their starters. Mm-hmm. Well, was it last week? Maybe they did. Oh, Bradbury came back last week, yeah. Okay, so it'll be two games in a row. The Bears, Ted, they, they've given up 20 sacks. 
I don't know any math, but divided by five games, you tell me. It's not a good average. Plus, the Bears are missing two starters that are on IR. Kramer, the guard, I think it was, and uh, Braxton Johnson. I think the Vikings have a better offensive line. Pass blocking and run blocking, so I gave them the check. We talked earlier in the year about how terrible the Vikings offensive line was. They went out and signed Dalton Reisner who hasn't seen the field yet, because the Vikings' offensive line is starting to play well. I mean, they're one of the top units in both pass blocking and run blocking, if, if you look at advanced statistics, but yet they're still giving up a lot of pressure. That doesn't seem compatible, but I thought last week against Kansas City, I, Chris Jones absolutely clowned Ezra Cleveland on one or two plays, but for the most part, Kirk Cousins had ample time and pocket to set up in. I mean, they've gotten noticeably better in, in run blocking. They're setting up very well established pockets for Kirk to throw in. This unit seems to be meshing and gelling, and and that's good news, even though the Vikings still aren't winning games. I don't get it, but whatever. Anyways, so I give it to the Vikings as well. The front seven. Look, the Chicago Bears are pretty much terrible in every defensive category. They're like the Vikings defense was last year. They are 30th in points allowed. They are 31st in pass yards, but they are pretty good against the run. They're like 12th against the run, but that's probably because opposing quarterbacks can sit back in the pocket and look around and look around again, maybe check out a cutie in the stand, and then finally make a throw. I don't know. Anyways, we've talked about Brian Flores' defense, and they're kind of starting to turn it around. Had some nice moments against the Chiefs on Sunday, had some breakdowns, but overall, even though the Bears have deadbeat dad, deadbeat Vikings dad, Yannick Ngakwe, Go back to episode two and check that out, I think it was, or maybe episode three. Episode three. <laughs> so I still like what the Vikings have, at least for the time being, unless they decide to trade everybody away at the deadline. What do you think, Drew? I have the Vikings also. I think the Vikings are really a lot stronger at linebacker than the Bears are. Defensive lines kind of wash each other out. One thing I wanted to point out, that defensive tackle Andrew Billings is having a hell of a season. He gets to the quarterback from the interior defensive line position, which isn't easy to do. Number 97, keep your eye on him. We need to take care of that dude. Because if he starts getting pressure, it's going to open up the edges. But with Davenport coming back, it gives him a good shot in the arm. He's playing really well. And I I like his jump back into the lineup. And I think it gives us the edge in this game. Bears only have eight sacks. That's not good. I mean, we have 13. So I'm going with the Vikings front seven. You mentioned Marcus Davenport. Him coming back has really changed the dynamic of the pressure the Vikings can bring. There's times Davenport will be coming in, he'll get the pressure, and and you saw Patrick Mahomes running away for it right into the waiting, loving arms of Daniel Hunter. Pace has a chance to be rookie of the year. Yeah, he's he's playing very well. All right. What do you got for the secondary, amigo? I am giving the Vikings a check mark here. I mean, that might be against what you got going, but look at the quarterbacks the Vikings have faced compared to the Bears. They've only faced one good quarterback. Mahomes. We've faced Mahomes, Herbert, Jalen Hurts. I mean, the Vikings have faced better quarterbacks. And the best cornerback the Bears got is Kyler Gordon. He's out for the season, I think, with IR. I got a little thing I wanted to ask you. The Vikings only have one interception all season. Who had it? Oh, um, I, I can't even remember. I don't know. Her, no, it was Harrison Smith, wasn't it? Theo Jackson. Yeah, in Philly. That's right. Yeah. Yep. One interception the whole season and zero rushing touchdowns. We are at week six, and the Vikings have not rushed for a touchdown. You like apples? How you like them apples? Zero rushing touchdowns, Ted. Zero. Mm. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. 
Okay. I got the Vikings secondary, though. I think the Vikings secondary, by the end of the season, is going to be badass. They're getting a lot of good time in, a lot of good work, a lot of good reps, and they're still figuring stuff out. But I think they're going to come together and be really a solid unit. Yeah, they had some noticeable breakdowns on Sunday against the Chiefs. They gave up that second and 18 or third and 18 right after that sack to open up the second half. But I really like what I've seen from a Caleb Evans so far. And he was hurt for a little bit, and Makai Blackman came in. And I kind of like his game, too. There's potential in the Vikings secondary, I think, more than we've seen in recent seasons anyways. And then, of course, Harrison Smith, uh, the savvy vet. Cam Bynum's having a much better year this year than he did last year. Yeah, I like the Vikings secondary as well. Red zone. Neither team gets the red zone. It's like bad versus terrible. I mean... It's going to be field goals. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I guess if I would give an advantage to any team, it would be the Bears, just because Justin Fields' running ability. If a play breaks down, they call pass play. If you don't have somebody spying Fields, he can run it in from just about anywhere on the field. But other than that, they're both terrible. Vikings defense, 29th. Bears defense in the red zone is 31st. Yeah, they're, they're terrible. All right. That's the one difference I had was the field's mobility makes a difference in the red zone. Yeah. We don't have that. Bears get the check in the red zone. What do you got for special team? I'm going to give it to the Vikings. I Greg Joseph has been very good this year. Ryan Wright has been very good this year. Yeah. I give Vikings. We got a better kicker. We got a better punter. And this is an important thing. We usually just scale over the special teams. This game is probably going to come down to a field goal, how you look at it, because it's going to be, I mean, Vegas has it as a three-point game. I'm not going to predict the score or the team because of Defend the North contest this week. I'm not going to select either one. It's a toss-up, but I'm going to give it to the Vikings also. Because I think I think Powell's going to have some good punt returns this week. Alrighty. I'm not giving a check mark to coaching. <laughs> you take care of all that. I'm not either. Uh, can we just skip coaching this week? Because they've both been terrible. They've both been outcoached every game. Just about. So negative check marks to both, if that's even possible to do, for coaching this year so far. And then finally, Drew, we have intangibles. Go ahead. Soldier Field, we all know what happens there. We've watched 50 games at Soldier Field, Ted, and it's always nightmare. It, it's something weird happens all the time. And One intangible, the Vikings are last in getting off the field on third down. That's got to be a big intangible. I mean, the Bears are 24th, but we're last. So neither team can get off the field on third down. The first thing you plan on when you go to Soldier Field or Lambeau, Ted, is the weather. Now, here we sit on Friday. It started raining Wednesday. Thunderstorms yesterday. Today it's raining. Tomorrow it's raining. That's four rain days in a row. And I'm not sure if they cover the field. And it's going to rain for the game. 70% chance of rain. 20 mile per hour winds north by northeast. You're the helicopter pilot. I don't know what that means directionally. That's always an intangible when you play at a ghostly soldier field, but I'm going to give it to uh, the Bears, but it could go either way. I'll just I'll say either checkmark could go either way on this. I'm going to give it to the Bears. Weather was one of my factors. This is also the first home game for the Chicago Bears since the legendary, iconic Monsters of the Midway captain linebacker Dick Butkus died. It's going to be an emotional thing in Soldier Field. Whether you're a Bears fan or not, you, you can't help but respect Dick Butkus and what he did and how he advanced the game of football in the 60s and 70s. There's going to be tributes. The team is going to be jazzed up. The Bears have played very good football the last two games. I mean, at least offensively. The defense collapsed a couple of weeks ago when they had the 28-7 lead against Denver and pissed it away. But they figured it out, and the next game and throttled 
Washington. They've had an extra three or four days to get ready for this game because they played on a Thursday night. There are a lot of intangibles, I think, that are are sitting in favor of the Chicago Bears this Sunday. The Butkus thing is tremendous, man. That is a big intangible. Get hats off to Dick Butkus, the first true middle linebacker. He's part of the reason I fell in love with football, and he wasn't even on my favorite team. Right, yeah. We're going to take the big board off the screen right now. When the Vikings and Bears were both 0-2, it felt like very different 0-2 seasons. Vikings, a couple breaks here, a couple breaks there. They could easily be 1-1 or 2-0. The Bears just seem to be coming a part of the seams. Justin Fields, remember, had that press conference, called out the offensive play call, and Bears were getting just drilled. Then the next week they went in and got prison-raped by the Chiefs. It just seemed like the wheels were coming off. And now you jump ahead a few weeks later, and it feels like very different one-in-four teams, and the Bears have the better one-in-four feel, if that even makes any common sense at all. They've had two very good performances by their quarterback that's been questioned ever since he's been in the league. Maybe he's figuring it out. The defense played better than they've had in quite a while. It feels like this season could go either way for the Vikings, depending on what happens Sunday. If they can get a big win, it could very well propel them, and it could it could send the Bears back down to, oh, well, we really weren't that good after all. If you flip that and the Bears win and the Vikings lose, it could send the Vikings into a tailspin where we don't see them win in two or three more games. You know, it could be a launching pad for them. I don't know that either extreme is, is true. This just feels more important, more urgent than other seasons past when they weren't playing very well for a bunch of different reasons for me. Both these teams turn the ball over. Look at the turnover percentage. What, minus nine for the Vikings and minus four for the Bears? Yeah. They're both going to make mistakes. I got an interesting dynamic for this game, though. The Bears like to run, establish that run with Herbert and everything. If he doesn't play, that drops down their dynamic. And the Vikings' best way to move the ball is Justin Jefferson. He's not playing. So each team, if Herbert doesn't play, are losing the X factors to how they move the football. So they're going to have to figure out different ways. Like I said, the weather might play into it for the special teams. This game comes down to who's going to turn it over more and who's who's going to be the red zone team. They're about the same. These teams mirror themselves. Vikings have to win every game. They have to figure out a way to win this game. You let Fields start running around. It's going to be a long day. All right. So that is our big board preview. And because it's kind of a short week for us, that's pretty much going to put a bow on episode. Buddy, as always, I, I love doing the show every week. From the tasty tidbits to the general knowledge overall, you make me smarter. Make me laugh. Ruby, without you, there is no show. There is no Vikings report with Drew and Ted. They should make this Vikings report with Ruby and two idiots. If I had my way, that'd be the name of the show. But anyways, whatever. With that said, Drew and I will be on live after the Vikings-Bears game on Sunday, and we will be back next week, as always. And for now, we will try to do better the next time. Brother, take us home. God's sake, can we have a game without turnovers? Enjoy your Viking game, like Chris Gates said. Win or lose, they're the most entertaining team to be a fan of. <laughs> they come up with crazy stuff. Ted, thank you. Best host in the business. Tootses, well done on another episode, episode 109. Please like and subscribe. And that's all I have to say about that. Say good night, Ted. Good night, Ted. Punch out! <laughs> I'm sorry, Evander. It's your ear. There he bites him there. You see him lifting. My ear. I 
kept that in formaldehyde. Thanks. <laughs>